Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Spirituality Out Loud podcast. This week, it is my honor and privilege to have the wonderful Miss Liz Gilbert, not the one that wrote Eat, Pray, Love, but um, someone who's actually more important to me than that person. And um, she is a VP of marketing for a nonprofit. She's dedicated her life to service. She was maid of honor in my wedding and one of my favorite people of all times. So uh, welcome, Liz. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you all know, we're going to dive right back in. And so the beginning question, Liz, is what was your spiritual life like growing up? And what do you remember about it? Was it a formal? Did you go to church or religion or synagogue or you know, what do you remember growing up as a child? Um, I was raised by two hippies who um, uh, exposed me to um, kind of Native American and Eastern religions in a very informal way. Um, but also my mom is a, comes from a very Catholic family and her grandfather, who was my hero, was a very devout Catholic. So um, so I was also exposed to sort of to, to Catholicism, but all of it was not in any sort of context of um, like, this is the truth. Um, this is, uh, you know, it was all, I, I really felt like it was all just kind of like, here's this, see what you think about this. And, um, and as a child, the concept of having uh, a personal relationship with something bigger than me um, I understood it to be God when I was a child, uh, was um, a really big part of my life. And um, when I was thinking about doing this interview, I started thinking about that a little, reflecting on that a little. And I feel like just given my circumstances, I feel like oftentimes spirituality can kind of fill a void, something that's missing in our lives. And I think for me, that's what it was, this kind of very reliable source of comfort and support um, that didn't that I didn't necessarily or I didn't feel like I had in my life. So um, my the the relationship that I built with with God for me at that time was just very personal. It was I think that you know like Catholicism and Jesus. I mean I was one of these kids that I would. My mom had to drag me out of the movie theater. We went to see um, Jesus Christ Superstar, and I was crying so hysterically in the scene where he is betrayed that she mm. dragged me out of the theater um, to, just to calm me down. Like the you know these stories were really powerful to me, and um, and but all they did they were just stories for me. It was all just kind of tools and stories and ideas um, that I could draw upon to create my own experience of, um, of spirituality and of God. So there was no formal training. Um, there was no dogma or, uh, forced, um, obedience. Um, it was all kind of just my own thing 
that was, yeah, that was very personal. Well, it sounds like what you did was create a mythology from the stories around you. Right, exactly. Right. And there were, and I mean, it was interesting because it was like, on the one hand, the spiritual part of it was just very sort of not of this world, but the stories about the people like Jesus or Buddha or, and, you know, Martin Luther King or, or Gandhi, I mean, these were all just, for me, were examples of human beings who were having their own experience with, you know, tr- building a relationship with the God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is, I got to say, it sounds a little advanced for a kid. <laughs> <laughs> or is this just looking back? It, well, I mean, certainly at the time, I mean, these were things that, that I was experiencing, but I, I certainly wasn't having any sort of outside perspective on it. Um, what I will say is that it was when your role models are Jesus, <laughs> Martin, <laughs> Gandhi, like, you know, it was a kind of a high bar. That's a really high bar. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough go. You're never going to reach that. Exactly. So it was tough. And we, you know, we, in, in my world, there was, you know, we were exposed to Buddhist monks and, you know, so I had this really kind of like, um, that's what I, you know, that's what I should be doing. You know, I should be devout and spirit as spiritual as monks or Gandhi or Jesus. So there's some interesting and cool things about my spirituality as a child. And then there were definitely some um, pretty oppressive things about my, <laughs> my experience with spirituality. So, so, and, and I think that everybody has very oppressive experiences with, with religion and spirituality. Mine just looked different than other people's. <laughs> I, I think they all look different, but yeah. Um, yeah. So the idea of progress, not perfection would be such a relief. <laughs> exactly. uh, Tell me about becoming an adult. Like what, how did this morph over time, right? So I think there's the magic that we feel when we're kids and then life starts to happen, right? And things get put to the test. So how did that end up evolving? You know, what happened for me is that I, there was the, uh, there was a, a long period of just kind of falling away from all of that. Very, um, just sort of became a lot more pragmatic um, there's no guy in the sky, um, but not super conscious of that. Just sort of like I didn't, I stopped thinking about God. I stopped thinking about spirituality. And then somewhere in my early teens, I started dating somebody who was an atheist. And that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to somebody who actually actively and even at times aggressively didn't believe in God. And, you know, because he was you know, my first love and so cool and a little older than me, like then, then I sort of, that kind of put a name on what I was already feeling, which is that it just didn't make sense that there was this make-believe like world that wasn't of this world. Like, I feel like there was this, this period in my life where I was very much about science and um, what is, what's provable right here in front of me. There's not another world um, that's, that's, you know, that none of that made sense to me. And I, and, and for a while, and, and part of it also had to do with um, just being disillusioned by uh, getting more and more sort of um, educated about what the church has done in various forms all over the world. I mean, it's, so it started a little bit with resentment, unable to separate God from religion. I sort of became resentful of God and religion, uh, the damage it had done. 
And, um, and then, um, and then atheism allowed me to sort of put a name on my feeling, which is none of that really makes sense. And, um, and it's in my atheism was kind of aggressive and angry at first. Um, and then slowly what happened for me is that I started to make peace with religion when I was, I was a singer and I sang in choruses and we would sing these beautiful religious pieces. And I started to kind of have this experience of like, this is what God inspired in some the idea of God inspired in someone. And so maybe religion is really just kind of the very best and worst that human beings have to bring to um, the world. And I stopped being so angry at religion, which I, I, I think that allowed me to um, stop being angry at God. Although I never really had, I didn't believe in God. So it wasn't like I was angry at God. God became a non-existent thing and religion. Um, I slowly made peace with religion and its flaws because it does a lot of good and it also does a lot of bad, but I think that's humans. It's not necessarily religion. So. Okay. So now you came at it with the science and I think that, you know, in some ways religions really bring people comfort, right? They give you these goalposts, they give you the surroundings and the structure. And, but it sounds like and I had a similar experience. You found that comfort in the, in the structure of science, right? I should be able to touch it. I should be able to see it or feel it or, um, and that was comforting, right? There's rules of the world. And, um, and so now you kind of swung back though, from as embracing science as a way to say that's horrible. And now you're more about like, Oh, okay. Like that doesn't have to be all bad. And I still really more believe in science. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to the point where you are now? What happened so, and I will just also mention the, the, or irony. where are you now? Yeah, exactly. The irony of the, um, I was re the, I, I used to be one of those people that would quote Marx as saying, uh, religion is the opiate of the masses in a very snide and condescending way. And then when I read his whole quote, it's actually not snide and condescending. He really talks about how religion has what you said, provided comfort. Uh, the other description in it is the sigh of the oppressed. Um, and that kind of shifted my um, understanding of what religion can bring to people um, is just this feeling of comfort in a world where they can't find it. Um, but so what happened for me is that I, uh, and yes, you're right, that science provided, a, um, I'm one of these people that I like to know the answer. I like to know if I do this, this will happen. And so sort of the spiritual world was pretty scary to me because <laughs> you can't really um, do X, Y, and Z and get F. So I was um, slowly spiraling into um, the addiction. And what happened for me is that I kind of what they, uh, what, what people say hit bottom where it became clear that I could no longer drink or use any sort of substances, but I couldn't imagine a world like living in the world without it. And, and I think one of the th interesting things that's happened for me too is that I not only sort of hit bottom on uh, using alcohol and other drugs, um, but I also hit bottom on the way I was living my life. Like it, be, it was like this weird sort of crystal clear moment for me that not only were these substances ruining my life, but the way that I was living my life was ruining my life. Like it was, I was just a miserable person. And I think that that was so um, needed for someone like me because then I became exposed to the sort of the solutions for recovery, which for many are 12-step programs. And that has the spirituality component, which up until 
um, I got sober was very off-putting to me. But when, when I had reached this point of like just all of it, it's clear all of it is not going, it's not my way is not working in any way, shape or form. Then I became open-minded to doing things different in a different way. And um, what that allowed me to do was to listen to people who were in recovery and how it is that they stayed sober and how it is that they found spirituality. And, and on the one hand, in a very pragmatic level, I was able to hear that like people talked a lot about like, this isn't a Christian thing. This is, um, you got to find your own deal. You got to find your own way. And I believed them. And then they also talked a very, about a very pragmatic way, which is that sort of like, um, God can be whatever God can be, um, the group, people who are in your support group, that kind of a thing. And so, um, and then another interesting thing happened for me is that when I was sort of doing the work of, of this pro of these programs, um, I was reading some materials and one of the, the things in, that, that I read in, in these, the book that we, we read together is um, God is everything or God is nothing. And that for me, like completely opened up the possibility of me having my own God of my own understanding, because I think what had always troubled me about the concept of God was that God wasn't everything, that there were these things over here, depending on where you grew up and who your parents were and, you know, you know, what country you lived in and what era you were born in. There were these things over here that weren't God that were bad and wrong. And then there were these things over here that were God. And it just all seemed very arbitrary and ridiculous to me. This idea that God is everything allowed me to take the morality out of it because I think that's where I got really caught up is this, the morality of it. And then the other thing for me was um, this realization. And again, this happened over time, but this, there, there were some things that I read that talked about, don't let your prejudice stand in the way of figuring out what spiritual concepts and terms mean to you, to me. And what I had realized is that my entire life, except for when I was really young and I had that sort of sweet relationship with the higher power, my entire life since then had been about in, it had been in reaction to what other people think about God and what other people have written about God and what other people, you know, uh, worship around God. Um, and, it, and, and I'd always been in reaction to that and what I had never done or what I hadn't done since I was a child is to find my own way and to understand my own God and to understand spiritual concepts that, that relate, that are, that are relevant to me. Um, and so in many ways, um, this process is really about finding myself um, and in that figuring out what spirituality means to me. So I just have to say, like, so you and I are good friends. We talk a lot about this topic. And I don't think I've ever heard you say that. And my mind is really a little blown. And so we're going to dig into this one, this idea. So how, so what you said, what you're saying is that you reacted to other people's reaction to a higher power or God or religion. And what you were trying to do instead is divorce yourself from other people's experience and find an internal personal experience to a higher power is is that how you're saying it yeah basically so like instead of, like when i said i was an atheist and i didn't believe in god what i didn't believe is what you believed right 
was that I didn't believe it, that I had explored all the possibilities and had decided against God. It was that Catholics and Christians and the Christian right and the Muslims and the whatever, they all believed this thing that I don't believe in, ergo, I am an atheist. Mm. And, um, and instead, what I'm trying to figure out is what it, what it means to me. Um, and these, these, all these religions provide me with wonderful like ideas to chew on and to help figure out what I believe in. So I'm not saying I reject anybody's experience or thoughts on the matter. It's just that they're all part of the, the meal that I'm consuming to, to figure out what's my favorite meal. So like the, 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 the idea for me is to, uh, to be my own person so that I don't have to react to you, who you are, you know, and that defensiveness, so much of my experience about spirituality or, you know, a movie for that matter is, is I can get defensive. Like somehow I need to defend my position. And, and, and for me, what that says to me is I'm not comfortable with your position and I want to be so comfortable with my position that you can be on a completely different page and I'm okay with that. That's beautiful. And I like how you put it in the present tense. Like this still is your work. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that. Like, so one of the things we love to talk about is this idea of practical spirituality. Like I use it as a, as a like it's a living, breathing experience I have. How did you start to do that? Say I've never met you before and you're saying you should have a personal experience of God you know, my thought is you go out into the woods and fast for 40 days, <laughs> you know, but that's not what I don't, I know you didn't do that, but, um, so what is your, like, what ways do you accomplish that goal? If any. And, and I'm one of these people that like, uh, yeah, like 40 days in the woods is not, um, sounds great. And sometimes I wish I could do that and then everything would be okay. But, <laughs> but, um, I'm still, a scientific two feet on the ground kind of gal, you know what I mean? Like I need to know it has to work for me, um, in the real world. And, um, and that's how it started. I remember hearing people talk about, uh, spirituality and being quote, spiritually fit is a thing that I hear in my community a lot. And, and, and as a newcomer, as somebody who was new in this community and somebody who had didn't believe in God and didn't know what all this stuff meant, like being spiritually fit, just what are you talking about? So like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, what are you talking about? Lifting weights. Exactly. And so of course, um, it, you know, uh, right at the point where I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, I, I, I run into a guy who, um, explains it to me that, you know, you just do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, be where you say you're going to be when you say you're going to be there and do something else to help somebody else without ex expecting anything in return. And, um, and suddenly I was like, boom, I can do that. Like if that's what being spiritually fit is, then I got this made, like I can absolutely do that. And that's what I started to do. And that really to this day is kind of the most important spiritual practice I have because it's so funny, you know, for the last couple of days, I knew I was going to be doing this and there, there's this tendency, I think of, for me, and I certainly see it in everybody else I know, this judgment that we have about what being spiritual is, what it looks like and what it feels like. And I think that there's, um, there's this uh, misconception 
that being spiritual is being full of glee constantly. Constantly, all the time. Walking around in a complete state of bliss and love and acceptance. And that really is, um, at, at, at best, is um, being loaded. And at worst, is being delusional. Like, that's just not possible for a human being, right? Like, that's not that's not what the deal is. And, um, and so for this past couple of days, I knew I had to do this. And there was a part of me that was filled with so much dread. I don't want to talk about spirituality because I'm going through this really rough time with my employment situation and, and a bunch of other things. And I feel really, really terrible. Like I feel terrible. And so I can't possibly get on a podcast and talk about spirituality. But the reality is, is that is as spiritual as anything else. And my solution, even though there are moments when I'm like, God doesn't exist. I am not spiritual. Everything is bad and wrong. Like it doesn't change what I do for my spirituality, which is I be where I say I'm going to be when I say I'm going to be there. I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it. And I help someone else out without expecting anything in return. Same thing I do if, if I'm getting everything I want. Um, same thing I do if I'm not getting anything that I want. Um, and that is what spirituality looks like. It doesn't look like. Um, that is the black belt spiritual <laughs> practice right there, right? And, and so I got to tell, I'll tell a story since you and I, I know you so well, is that there was a point in which uh, I met you and you were really working on this idea of following the rules because you didn't like to follow the rules. And one of the, we lived in San Francisco. We both lived in San Francisco in the city at the time. And you, do, I don't know if, do you know what story I'm about to tell? And you were adamant that you were going to only cross the street on the light. So the light had to say walk, regardless of whether cars were coming or not. Yeah. And it was one of the most, like being, walking with you and being like, we could walk. There's no one around. Like, there's no one here. And you would just, you would let me walk ahead and I had to wait for you. And I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but this, I, but I, but it's, it's the spirit of it, yeah. right? It's the spirit of meditating anyway. It's the spirit of loving the people who drive me the most crazy. And that is how you get where you need to go, you know, and, and that you, the, one of the reasons I wanted you ha to have you on this podcast is that you trudge, you trudge when you're terrified and you trudge when you're scared and you trudge when you're happy and you, you show up, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what I do. And that's the, the thing that I see you doing. So yes, you are, you know, just got laid off. You now have to trust in this really deep way and you don't know what the next day is going to look like. And we never know what the day, next day is going to look like. We just pretend that we do most of the time. Yeah. And that feeling of, I was thinking about there's, uh, I've heard people compare and I never can remember which word is which of faith and, and belief, but one is sitting in the audience the person walking across the tightrope is gonna, you know, make it. I believe that, or I have faith. I can't remember which one. And then I think it's, I think it's, I believe that that's gonna happen. And then having faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> and getting on the tightrope and doing it, trusting that it's gonna. And so, 
Um, but it do that doesn't mean that when I get on the wheelbarrow that I'm not going to be completely terrified. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to, I'm not going to fall. You know what I mean? Like that's the decision. It's, I think it's like committing to the life of falling, you know what I mean? Like the possibility of falling. And I mean, in some ways it's kind of, the, the thing that sort of cracks me up a little bit about all of this is that this, um, this idea that, that there's any other way, like, uh, like um, it's all going to go down the way it's going to go down, whether I'm spiritual or not. And the question is, um, am I going to find some sort of way to not be a tornado roaring through life, trying to um, manage my feelings about how the world is by changing my outside circumstances. I mean, that's ultimately what this, this practice provides me is some sort of connection to something bigger than me so that I'm not responsible for, for managing the entire outcomes of all of the world's events um, you know, and, and destroying my life and everybody else's life in the process of trying to do that when I never had any control or hope of controlling that anyway. And so this connection to a higher power uh, for me is very practical in the sense that in that it is my tool to finally let go of this need to be in control of all things that, um, that I never had control of in the first place. So my life looks very much like my life before. It's just that it's just that I'm different internally, you know? I, I just, sorry about that. I disagree. Cause in some ways when I'm in fear and I start taking actions out of that fearful place, you know, like uh, I lose a job or, you know, uh, my kid has a doctor's appointment or whatever's going on. I start making decisions, right? I can go online and start typing in the symptoms and finding out what Google says in WebMD. And it's a dangerous, dangerous place. And in some ways, the outcome is going to be the same because I could be super fearful about it and then still have him have a cold or have the measles or whatever he's going to have. Or I could do something other, more dangerous, which is start making decisions from that place of terror and start really making a mess of the world. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so what I see your faith doing for you is getting grounded so that you have the capacity to make decisions in your best interest, even if you're afraid, even if you're not certain, right? What tomorrow may bring, you lean back into, I've been uncertain before and it's all turned out pretty good. Mm -hmm. So maybe, just maybe, I will be okay throughout this too. It is, and, and, and maybe it won't turn out good too. That's the other thing. I mean, I think that, um, the, and again, this is, I always go back to this as a process, like um, the, I think that there are, and, and, and certainly having read about the Jesuses and the, the Buddhas and whatever their process, like I think everybody go, has like these things that they go through when they make a decision to walk the spiritual path. And I think that, that very early on in that, that is this very, uh, this like, well, if, if, if God is all powerful and good, then why is there bad in the world? And I think that's one of the very first questions one has to ask in, in walking the spiritual path and, and I think most people just stop there because it's like, there's no God. If there's, if God is good and there's bad in the world, then there's no God. For me, what's far more interesting are the questions that come up after that. So for me, I, I made peace with that one very easily in the beginning. And then what follows is I think a, a, a process that in many ways is very similar for people who make this decision to walk this path, although it may look different 
um, you know, in specific details. But one of them is this idea that if I have this relationship with a higher power or with a God, um, that everything will be okay. And what okay means is that I'll get what I want. Um, and, and there is this huge moment of disillusionment that, that happens for everybody, certainly in the beginning. And then I think in smaller ways, as we move on, as we rip away this like prejudice or this um, fallacy that God is Santa Claus. And if we're good, then we'll get what we want. And, um, or that he, we even need what we want. Um, we think we want. So, um, so there was this point in which I had to make peace with the fact that this wasn't a deal that I was in with something bigger than, than me, that if I help people and I'm good and I do the right thing um, and I pray and meditate, that I will get what I want, that, that, that all those things are tools for me to be able to handle whatever life throws my way with a little bit of grace. They're not payment. They're not a down payment <laughs> on the fast car and the perfect job, right? And so... Yeah, and then so then I'm then I become inwardly reorganized is what is something that I've heard people say, and and what I've found is that um, is that when people see me after they have not seen me since this whole process began for me, um, they are often blown away. Um, like they they're like, what what happened to you? Like what did you what did you change? There's something very very different about you. You look amazing. And I haven't changed anything physically, but because of this reorganization, I exist in the world in a different way that is a little bit more radiant than it used to be. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was noticeable before. Like I'm one of these people that I think you would meet and then like meet seven times and be like, I'm sorry, have we met? You know, like, I think that was the kind of person before, before I got sober, that was the kind of person I was. And so even in sobriety today, sometimes I have a difficult time because every time I see somebody I've met already, I'll say, it's Liz. Remember, they're like, yeah, I remember. I'm like, sorry, I used to, I'm used to being forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's not my experience of you. I've known you for a very long time, and my experience is not that you are forgettable. And I don't think anyone that listens to this podcast will think that you are forgettable. So I just want to say thank you for sharing uh, your time and your thoughts and your spirit and so many wonderful nuggets in this conversation that um, I personally get to take away and utilize. Like I really get to think about the internal reorganization. And I really get to think about how we trudge the path, like how I show up on a daily basis and just do the right things, not looking for the bells and whistles and the cash and prizes. Cause that was what it was before, right? It was only like, I'll be a good girl. And once I'm a good girl, I get all the cash and prizes. Can I instead sink into this is my life. I'm trying to get as comfortable as I can and surrender as much as I can and still show up. Yep. So thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, and uh, I will talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook, and share us with your friends.